This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Pastor Will Chester and is part five of our summer study on Proverbs. You can be seated. Well, if you don't know, my name is Will Chester and I'm the youth pastor here at Church of the Resurrection. I oversee sixth grade to 12th grade and their families. And uh, a couple months ago, Pastor Matt Woodley, who's a missions pastor here, um, he was planning out this kind of summer series that we're doing on the book of Proverbs. And, uh, and he approached me and he was like, hey, hey, Will, Will, listen, uh, this summer we're going to do a series on the book of Proverbs, okay? And I would like you to preach, okay? And, uh, and I, I was really excited and I said, okay, what are you thinking? And, uh, and he's like, okay, well, here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to have uh, Father Stephen, okay, preach on uh, wisdom. I said, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Father Stephen's really wise. He's like the wisest man since Solomon. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have Father Brett uh, preach on uh, uh, words. And I said, yeah, because he's such an encourager. That makes sense, too. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, I was thinking you, Will, would... Uh, uh, preach on what it means to be a fool. I said, Woodley, I, I'm, like, I'm trying here, but I, I'm not making the connection. He's like, uh, oh, I thought it'd be easier than that. Uh, well, I was, uh, I didn't want to have to say it. Uh, uh, it's Bowtie Sunday. That's why you're going to preach on Bowtie Sunday. You know, it's kind of foolish. It's fun. And, uh, and so here we are. Uh, Matt Woodley picked me to preach on foolishness because it's Bowtie Sunday, and I'll, I'll take that. Okay. Well, the last, the last couple weeks, we've been kind of zoomed in on a couple of subtopics within the book of Proverbs. And for those of you who don't know, the book of Proverbs is a book in the Bible, and it's kind of a collection of wise sayings written from the perspective of a father to his son. These were written maybe 2,500 to 3,000 years ago. Okay. And, uh, and this morning, I want to I look at kind of this larger theme, okay? And what the father is saying to his son in the book of Proverbs is, son, there are two paths in life. Not many paths. There are two paths in life. And the first path is the path of wisdom. Wisdom goes with righteousness. Wisdom goes with peace, like peace with other people, peace with God, even an, an internal kind of peace of character and integrity. He says, son, the path of wisdom leads to life. Choose life. He said, because on the other hand, there's another path. There's a path to folly. And the path of folly goes with wickedness. A fool is, a, is kind of an impetuous person. They're a creature of their passions. You know, a fool wants whatever is on their mind right at that minute. And they don't want to wait for something better. A fool kind of hates hearing correction. They don't want to hear any advice unless it's somebody encouraging them and what they already plan to do, okay? He's saying, son, don't go the way of fools, okay? It looks good sometimes, but I'm telling you, it leads to death. Choose wisdom. And if you're familiar with scripture, then you can hear behind this, this exhortation from a father to his son, you can hear the words of, of the Lord speaking to his people at Mount Sinai and echoed in Deuteronomy 30 in the covenant where he says to the whole nation of Israel, see, I've set before you life and death. 
Choose life, that it may go well with you in the land which you are about to enter. Choose life. Instead, that big message to the whole nation of Israel is now funneled down into a conversation between father and son about the day-to-day realities of life. And he's saying, son, choose life. And this choice of life, I mean, wisdom and foolishness doesn't just come down to kind of these discrete decisions. That's a wise decision. That's a foolish decision. That's a foolish decision. More than that, in the book of Proverbs, wisdom and folly describe kind of the nature of our hearts that our hearts are kind of have a certain disposition that we're directed, we have a tendency towards folly, or that we have a direction towards wisdom, a whole group of decision-making. Saying, son, forge a character that is directed towards wisdom. And I just want to pause here to kind of to recognize how different this is than kind of the, the dominant cultural perspective in our culture. You know, Scott, Scott, uh, kind of summarized it last week with like this billboard saying of you do you. That's the dominant cultural perspective. And then they're not going to, they're going to say, ah, don't trust this whole wisdom folly thing. That's a meta narrative. Be, be suspicious of that. Okay. Hold your convictions loosely because one day they might get in your way. One day there might be a good opportunity and you're not going to want that kind of archaic conviction holding you back. And they're going to say, and sometimes you're going, to, you're going to come to hard times, and you're not going to need this conviction to tie you down. You're going to need to kind of fly away. So don't, don't worry about wisdom or folly as much. No one knows what's better for your fulfillment better than you. So be wary of advice. Be wary of these big narratives. Just you do you. Trust that you know what's going on here. The book of Proverbs has a starkly different vision than that. It says, yes, life life is messy and complicated. It is often difficult to know the right thing to do. And we ourselves are messy and complicated. We recognize that pull towards wisdom and folly. We recognize both of those in our hearts. But that doesn't change the fact that wisdom and folly, these kind of objectively true characteristics of the way we live our lives, And the book of Proverbs says, you can know, you can know the path to wisdom. And you can follow it, so please do choose wisdom. Well, that's what we're going to look at in Proverbs 9. So you have your bulletins. Open up to Proverbs 9 because we're going to be here all morning. Proverbs 9 is great. It's it's kind of a personification of wisdom as, as Lady Wisdom and a personification of folly as Lady Folly. So Lady Wisdom speaks in verses 1 to 6, and then her words get paralleled to Lady Follies in 13 to 18. And this morning, my sermon has three points. First, the allure of folly. What draws us to folly? Even though we can recognize at the outset, this might not be good for us. What draws us to folly? Two, the end of folly. Where does folly take us? And three, what is the hope despite folly? for people like us who are messy, who recognize that we too are fools. So the allure of folly, what pulls us towards folly? Well, the first thing here is that folly presents herself as wisdom. You know, both of these women in this personification, both of them have houses. And if you were to show up as a simple person, as a young person, kind of not sure about where you stand on your convictions, 
You're simple. You're still figuring this out. If you were to show up at the door of Lady Folly looking for wisdom, she's not going to say, oh, you're, just, you're at the wrong house. You want Lady Wisdom. She lives down there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's no big thing. I'm just cleaning up in the kitchen. No worries, but you want her. Lady Folly won't tell you that. Lady Folly is going to present herself as wisdom. Listen to their invitations. In verse 4, Lady Wisdom invites, Whoever is simple, turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. What does Lady Folly say? Verse 16, Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. They use the same words of invitation. Look at where Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom sit, or, or where they make this invitation to their homes. In verse 3, Lady Wisdom sends out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. The highest places in the town are the, the places where we meet and gather to do, to do shopping, to discuss ideas, to go to the theater, to, to worship. She, Lady Wisdom calls out from the highest places in the town. Look at Lady Folly, verse 14. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat where? At the highest places of the town. Which is to say that whatever high places you find yourself interacting with others in, whether the downtown loop of Chicago or a boardroom at a local hospital, whether in your schools, whether at that media feeding trough of Netflix where we go to forget our problems and responsibilities, even at the exclusive, invitation-only Wheaton Moms Facebook group. <laughs> Whatever high place you find yourself in, and by the way, I am part of the Wheaton Moms Facebook group, which I heard it recently changed its name, and I'm a little bitter about that. Um, whatever high place you find yourself in, you can expect to hear the voice, the invitation of both wisdom and folly. It's up to us to discern their voices. Folly presents herself as wisdom. That's the first reason she's alluring. The second reason is because she speaks to our passions. Look at verse 17, she says, Stolen water, that water you can't have, is sweet. Bread eaten in secret where others can't see what's going on. It's pleasant. She appeals to that thing in us that wants uh, kind of a freedom from the mundane, that wants adventure. She says it's the secret things that are good, private, tucked away over here. That's what's pleasing. She appeals to our sensuality. She says stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Folly appeals to our lusts. She appeals to our desire for anger and revenge. She appeals to our hunger. She appeals to our laziness and our desire to just push responsibility away. Folly appeals to our passions. Folly is that voice that says, at the end of a long day, when you're beaten up and bedraggled, oh, honey, honey, you have had such a hard day. Why don't you come in? You know what? That person wronged you. You were wronged by that person. You've got a perfect read on this situation. Don't listen to them. They don't know what's happening. And you know what? They need to hear it from you. You don't need them in your life, but why don't you go tell them that? Why don't you go tell them how much you, they hurt you? Let your anger fly. 
Folly says, what I want for you is exactly what you want for you. Folly's on the same page as your passions. The first reason that folly is alluring, she presents herself at wisdom. The second, she appeals to our passions. And the third reason is that she offers us autonomy or she encourages our autonomy. Look at the words of Lady Wisdom in verse 6. She says, leave your simple ways behind and live. I've got better things coming for you. Walk in the way of insight. Lady Folly will never tell you that. If you want to stay simple, if you want to stay that this world is a messy place, it's hard to know the good, you just, you just kind of go with your gut, trust that. If you want to stay there, Lady Folly is content with that. She'll love you just as you are. She wants to encourage your autonomy, your autonomos, your own law, your self-law. Folly wants for you what you want for you. She presents herself as wisdom. She appeals to our passions. She encourages our autonomy. Proverbs 16, 29 says, There is a way that seems right to a person, but its ends are the ways of death. 29, 11 says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. So if that's the allure of folly, if that's what draws us in, What is the end of folly? Where does folly take us? Look at verse 16. Folly says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And then verse 18, the father speaks to his son. But he, his son, does not know that the dead are there in her house, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Sheol is this Hebrew word that means the realm of the dead. Earlier in chapter 7, it says, Many a victim has folly laid low, and all her slain are like a mighty throng. Her house, her house is the way to death, going down to the chambers of Sheol. Lady Folly lives in a haunted house. I mean, don't be surprised if she offers a good meal. It really is good. There are short-term gains to be had from folly. There are pleasures to be had from folly. She throws a great party but you will never leave. You will never leave the house of folly. Look underneath the floorboards, look in the basement, it's a graveyard. Her guests are in the depths of Sheol. And C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters writes, it doesn't take these, these huge decisions These kind of cataclysmic, family-altering, family-shaking, business-shaking decisions to follow the path of folly. In fact, those decisions often start with much smaller decisions. One demon says to another about tempting humans like us, he says, it doesn't matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to just edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. The safest road to death is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Maybe Folly just wants you to come in and just have a cup of coffee. Why don't you just peer through the window? These people look like they're having a good time. You could be one of them. 
And in Proverbs, the father pleads with his son, don't go. Don't go. Choose wisdom. Choose life. There is more to life than these temporary fulfillments. I have fulfillment that's far better for you, so choose life. Folly has in mind only what's right now. And so there are these, these two songs that illustrate this. Uh, both of them have been on the radio the last two summers. And they both kind of describe folly, this perpetual youth, perpetual experimentation, perpetual like now, immediate satisfaction. And both of them have a refrain that says, and we're never gonna die. We're never gonna die. We're never gonna die. We're never gonna die. It's always gonna be this. It's as if they have to keep repeating that refrain over and over and over because the minute they stop saying it, they're gonna have to face up to that truth that they are going to die, that we are going to die, that life is about more than just what's happening right now, that wisdom measures the whole scope of a person's life and rewards those who walk in it. So we've talked about the allure of folly, what pulls us in, and the end of folly, where it leads, and let's talk about the hope despite folly. As we said, we recognize that folly exists in our hearts, that there's, that there's a bentness to our hearts that is interested in what's happening at folly's house. The good news of Scripture is not simply choose wisdom. The good news is not resolve today that you're going to walk the path of wisdom and never leave it. Because that won't get you very far. You need more than that. Your problem isn't so much about your decisions, but it's about the shape of your heart. And what you need is a transformed heart. The good news of Scripture is that you can have that transformed heart. The good news of Scripture is not choose wisdom, but wisdom chose you. Wisdom chose you. Wisdom loves you. Wisdom delights in you. That's the good news of Scripture, that wisdom can forgive you. And not in this kind of like vague spiritual sense of all there is is love and, and God loves us, but in the concrete historical reality of God's Son on the cross. Wisdom chooses you. Wisdom loves you. And as you embrace the meaning of the cross through faith, then the character of your heart begins to shift and change. And from a fear of no one and autonomy that gives way to a fear of the Lord, a humble submission before your maker who established this order in the universe. Wisdom chose you. And as your heart shifts, you can discern the voice of wisdom. You can discern the voices of wisdom and folly. And you can follow on the path of wisdom. So choose wisdom. Choose life. Choose the Lord. Because this morning, wisdom says to you, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. 
As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.